On this episode of the podcast, Jared actually stays quiet for more than a minute. I confess to crop dusting an elevator, and we have our echo chamber recalibrated by the brilliant and gracious Lolly Daskal. I'm Jared Nichols. I'm Paul Tulin. And this is the best pandemic ever. Paul, this is a, uh, a very special day because we have a very special guest, which is really rare for us, especially this early on in the podcast. Um, I think it's it's safe to say that this is our number one fan and possibly our only fan. And uh, her name is Lolly Daskal. Lolly's a uh, world-renowned author, executive coach, um, and clearly has been impacted by the pandemic because if she's getting on a podcast with the two of us, her friend list must have dramatically decreased. So, Lolly, first of all, I'd like to welcome you to the show. First of all, I'm so honored to be here. I've been listening to the two of you converse for the past couple of weeks, and I really, really enjoy your podcast. So I'm honored to be here. Yeah, and I, I want to go on the record right now as saying this was a bad idea. We shouldn't have somebody with the intelligence and wherewithal to like challenge our bad ideas. This is going to backfire horribly. Yeah, but so Paul, I'm just going on record right now. As, oh, that was all your idea, Nichols. This is the best pandemic ever. We get to have people like Lolly on the show. So, you know. <laughs> And we can always cut things out and post. So if she says anything that really proves how ignorant we are, we can always eliminate. All right. Fair enough. No, nice. we said that. Wait, wait, we, guys, we, guys, what is if I challenge with heart? That'll A work. nice landing. That'll yeah. work. No, perfect. We need someone to, I mean, because we are, we're a little bit of an echo chamber here and we don't want to be that. You know, we definitely want to have, because we want to know what we're missing and we want to understand different perspectives and you know we we all have we certainly have a lot of experiential bias because especially me because I've defaulted to this position where I really ha I really feel like I can only trust the things I can verify on my own but that's very limiting right I mean uh, you know I'm certainly not going to take at face value what's thrown at me anymore not at the volume and velocity that things are delivered and it, uh, with the agenda that they're delivered with although I hesitate to use the word agenda we tend to think of it more as a business model that's shaping the way information is delivered. And so um, anyway, yeah, so I don't know. Was that an introduction? That was or is that more one. just rambling? It sounds like rambling. That was, no, it was really good. You did a great job. I just want to say. All right. Yeah, definitely. Try my best. So let me set this up a little bit here. So we, for those of you listening, uh, Paul's been doing these field reports. And in the last field report, we actually talked about possibly having somebody on from New York City. And the person I was thinking of is Lolly, who is here with us today. Just want to remind everybody, we have Lolly Daskal on the show. So, uh, yeah. So, Paul, you got field report number three. You went to DC. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. And yeah. I, you know, and 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 ironically, on this one, I was always thinking about. I mean, it happens anyway. But I was thinking about Jared a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. usually that's you know that usually just happens when I'm just lounging around and just you know, thinking, but no, but I was yeah. thinking about the podcast a lot and taking a different perspective to how I sort of assess the situation. So I went to Washington DC and I went there again for the purposes of doing some work with the nonprofit that I work with. Um, and just like every place else that I've been, the report that I received, or if I believed what I had seen on TV, the internet, social media, whatever, again, Rome was burning, right? Um, that's why this episode is called field report number three, Rome is not burning. And so I expected to see, just like I had been told every place else, that it was that it was not that it was mayhem per se, but that the, there was a lot. There was an environment of fear and tension and just kind of hostility and uncertainty. And frankly, I saw none of that. What I did see is 
pretty much what I've seen everywhere. People are being generally responsible. They wear their mask when they're going indoors and to follow the rules. They take them off when they're out and about with their close to their family and friends. When they get close to other people, maybe they put them on, maybe they don't. Maybe they just walk to the side a little. But as an experiment, on the first day I was there, one of the things I wanted to try was I, del- I went into Starbucks, put on my mask, got my coffee, and on my way out, because I was drinking my coffee, but also just because I wanted to see, I didn't put my mask on in the walk from Starbucks back to the hotel. So I'm out there, very quiet, not a lot of people around, but a few. And as people walk past me with their masks on, I deliberately looked them in the eye and I said, good morning. And without exception, every single one of them looked back at me with what I assumed was a smile under their mask, because I could tell from their cheekbones and their eyes, and they said, good morning, and we went past each other. Now, we was a little bit, there was a reasonable amount of distance between us, right? Um, but again, you know, I was drinking my coffee, so as I walked by, I, you know, I said hello. And my point in all that was the, the wisdom of not wearing my mask in that situation notwithstanding, the fact that nobody panicked or was angry or judgmental or said, put your mask on, none of that stuff ever happened. And I'll give you one other example, and, uh, and then I'll yield a little bit. I went down to the park. Um, I sat down at a, at a little bench. I took off my mask and I had my little sandwich because so I could eat it. Um, my shitty Starbucks sandwich. <laughs> and uh, I, I was eating my sandwich and a, and, a, and a couple came walking past me, a little older. They were also not wearing masks because they were just together, the two of them. There wasn't a lot of people around. And, uh, and they looked at me and they said, good morning. And I said, good morning. And they said, well, you got a great spot there. And I was like, yeah, it's a great day for it. And off they went. And I can go on and on and on and on with these kind of examples. Um, and they weren't all deliberate tests. But what I found and what I have found is, again, people are doing the right thing for the most part. You know, they're wearing their masks and doing that. Sometimes you see them again with that. But they're not afraid. They're not tense. They're not angry or fearful. Um, and that has been my experience in all of these places that I've gone. So that said, I get the impression, since we're on video and I can see Lolly's face, that that has not been your experience. Absolutely not. But it's interesting, Paul, because a field number three, you called it, was it this past week? It was. Yeah, it was this weekend. Yep. It was this weekend. So in New York, it's completely different. And um, during the pandemic, I was a witness to um, being up all night because there were sirens of all kinds going every second of the night. We heard noises of sirens, police cars and all of that. And I would stand by the window and I would see people being taken out of their homes and disappearing into the night. And months later, I saw somebody come back. But for the most part, I saw people being taken out of their apartments in the park, in Central Park. um, After we went into phase one, not many people were wearing masks and people were being yelled at in the park. Put on a mask, put on a mask. Paul, I was going to create a T-shirt and sell this in Central Park, and it said it would have said, "My mask protects you, and your mask protects me," because people were out on their bicycles, they were jogging, but nobody was wearing a mask. Phase two, we had more people wearing their mask. Phase three, we the thing about New York City is very interesting. In the summer, the very wealthy or the ones that have a second home disappear. And the city is very much a very urban kind of a place. Um, the super wealthy, the, uh, the, I guess the middle, um, middle of the road folks, they all disappear into the Hamptons or upstate or the Berkshires, and it becomes a different city. It is not the same New York City as it was last year. 
I think people, um, what I would like to say as, a, as someone who has studied psychology is that people are sick and tired of being in a mask. People are sick and tired of being isolated and they're trying to act normal. So the experience I think that you've had, Paul, is more of let's go back to as normal as we can. And if someone says hi to us, let's answer him hi back. But I think there's a denial of what's going on. That's my humble opinion. Okay, that's interesting because I was going to ask you, because I would tell you that it wasn't exclusive to, so so I don't know if Jared told you, obviously you know Jared's in Charlotte, I'm also in the Pearl of the Southeast Fayetteville, North Carolina, and of course the risk calculus here is quite different, right, because this is the home of the Airborne Infantry, Special Operations, the way people assess risk is a little bit different than in other places, right? So. So my experience wasn't just isolated to this past weekend and my field reports from California. When I went into the belly of the beast, San Francisco, I expected exactly what you've described in New York, right? And this was, this was almost a month ago now, um, but I found much of the same thing. Now, um, I, so, so I guess what I would, so I guess my question would be, how in your mind do you, would you reconcile those two different perspectives what you've seen and what I've seen, um, and is it is it geographic? Is it because of the intensity of your situation, the proximity of all the people? I mean, I think those things probably matter. What do you think? So I'll talk to you about firsthand, not firsthand experience, but I have a client in San Diego, and I was very curious about what was happening in San Diego. In his own organization, the CEO hasn't left his home. He's been quarantined. He has a house on the beach, so it's beautiful. Yes, he's home. But he has people that work for him. And the people that work for him have acted like there's no quarantine. They, they go to the beach. They take family vacations. They drove to Las Vegas. They're acting like there's nothing happening. They're in total denial. The, the upper management, the leadership team, they have not left their home. I know that because we Zoom all the time, and, I've, and I always say, who's been quarantining? Who has left? They have not left. They have not left their home. They have not gone on vacation. They're not, they're not mingling with others. And so it's in the same area. You have two different reactions to the same environment. And so the, what I've, my takeaway from that is it's more about an individual than it is about a collective. So one of the things that, you know, Jared and I have gone back and forth about about mass. And one of the things that helped kind of convince me about mass was some perspective from actually from my family. Um, and my wife was like, hey, look, I wear a mask because I want to make sure that I don't infect somebody else. I don't know if I have it. I don't want to infect somebody else. So if it's a small measure to protect somebody else, then that's what I'm going to do. Plus, it makes other people feel better. So I'll do that, too. And then my son said, well, yeah, also, it's only temporary. You know, eventually we'll stop doing that. So so all of these conditions were like, yeah, that all makes sense. Um, so so the wisdom of, of, of wearing a mask was something that um, that I think is is that I've gotten um, from my family, but it's kind of identical to what, to what you're saying, the wisdom of doing that. Um, I wonder, so I, I guess, Paul, can I'm, I just say something? You have a very smart wife. Don't get, that's a good one. That's a oh, keeper. She's so that wife. much smarter than him. Oh, let me tell you something, man. It is that's so, a whole nother conversation. I'm not even trying yeah, to that, be nice. The, the, the lottery <laughs> there is a completely different, yeah, that's a completely different conversation. Oh, yeah. you, you, you are absolutely preaching to the choir. Believe me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if there was ever any doubt where the, you know, where the, how that equation was balanced, <laughs> there certainly isn't any. Um, but so, so, so yeah. So, but what I would tell you is, is, 
Um, again, it, it for me, I I wonder about it, is it necessarily that when people go out into the world and they are and they are quote unquote acting like there's there's no and there's no pandemic. Does that necessarily mean that they have a blatant disregard for what's going on, or do they have a different perspective on what's going on that may or may not be valid? In other words, I'm not, like me personally, I'm not worried about getting the virus. Um, I don't want to get it because it'll suck, but I'm not worried about it. It doesn't keep me up at night. And so as a result, I'm not really worried about going out again. I try to be very responsible with regard to others and putting on my mask around other people and doing all those kind of things and keeping distance from people. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not in a crowd of 50 people jammed together and all that kind of dumb stuff. Obviously it's going to spread, but it doesn't worry me. So I wonder if, if people have that same perspective, they're like, yeah, well, I'm not really worried about it. I want to be responsible, but I'm not going to allow it to, you know, to hobble me or handicap me to the degree that I'm going to be completely confined to my house and in, in panic. Is that possible? I'm happy you brought that up because I'm very worried about it. And the difference perspective is, is that while it was at the height of Corona happening in New York City, somebody very, very close to me who was six months pregnant ended up getting Corona. And every single day I was tapped in because you weren't allowed to go to the hospital. She wasn't allowed to get visitors. We were tapped into a little teeny monitor that we can see her on a ventilator. She was on a ventilator for five months. She had to give birth to her baby earlier. Complications for the baby. Talk about the horrific things we went through day after day. I know what it is to worry about getting this disease or getting this virus. Yeah, I think if you if you have never experienced combat, then you can't be you can't be frightened by it. But if you've experienced something very traumatic, you understand this is something to worry about. This is something you really don't want in your home, in your body, or anybody that you truly love. And after, I think it was 93 days, she came off the ventilator weak and didn't see her baby for another month. And I just, I just think that when you think about this pandemic, I worry about it. And it was interesting to hear that you don't worry about it because I want to say to you, you don't want this. It's not. You don't. You don't want to ever say I don't mind getting it because it's for for many people. It's a horrible, horrible virus. And that's why you know my my individual kind of perspective on it. Right. Obviously, we talked before we started recording about experiential bias. Right. And 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 the experiential bias that we that we all have. Your experiential bias is clearly you've experienced it firsthand. The, the most the, like the worst case scenario in my situation. I've not experienced any of that, nor been able to reach into the depth of my network of family, friends to really to really see it. So that causes me to think and question. Okay, well, clearly I know that it's a it can be a horrific disease. That that is that is undisputable. You know, for some people who get it, it can be horrific, even obviously even fatal. I mean, that's the right worst case is is that it can be fatal. And that is and that is not in dispute. So for me, the question becomes: Okay, well, what is the probability that it will be fatal or even or even difficult if I contract it or if I, so it's it's a, the severity of how it how it manifests I think in my experience I can't validate that in your experience you can validate it completely and entirely and I had the same kind of discussion with my sister because my sister her job is to 
transition people from hospitals into their long care rehabilitation facility, and they were overwhelmed with COVID patients. Like every patient that they were putting into long-term rehab was was all of the uh, people who were you know having real, real trouble recovering. And so her perspective was, this is absolutely horrific. It's going to wipe us all out. This is the end of the world. And I said, well, I that's not my experience. And so I wonder if if that is the same thing manifested on a slightly grander scale between you know between you and I. You know, something interesting, um, before COVID happened, I would volunteer at a nursing home in my neighborhood a couple of times a week. And the people in the nursing home relied on volunteers to come in and keep them company and play games with them. We had bingo night, we had dancing night, we had a lot of great things happening. When COVID happened, I can actually see out of my window the nursing home Every single night I would look if there was a refrigerator or one of those trucks that would be parked outside. Interestingly enough, they hid the truck around the corner. They didn't put it in front of the nursing home. I tried repeatedly to get in touch with the nursing home and to find out, you know, there's a group of people that I've gravitated towards and I really love. I wanted to know how they were. I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to go near the nursing home. They didn't let you walk into it, anything like that. Then one day when I was passing by, because I would pass by there early in the morning, I only left my house every 15 days and I would leave the house at 4 a.m. in the morning, but not leave during the day. And I saw on the window of the nursing home that they had they created um, like almost like a sunburst and the rays said recovered, recovered, recovered. And I counted there were 82 of those rays, meaning 82 people recovered from this virus. And I thought, wow, how many didn't recover? So I took myself to the New York Times. You know, there's a list that will tell you how many people died per nursing home. And I saw 72 people died. And I'm thinking, is it anybody that I know? That's a large amount in only two weeks, right? Yeah, and yeah. I became really, really concerned. Then this week, I read in the New York Times that nursing homes are not even counting the patients that have left the nursing home that died in the hospital. They're only counting the patients that died in the nursing home. So the numbers are way larger than they are. If you ask me, will I be going back to the nursing home in 2020? I honestly have to say with a heavy heart, I don't think so. And the reason I'm not going back is because I'm not sure what protection they have or how clean they are or what's happening. And that breaks my heart that I can't go and reconnect to those people that I really, really loved. But it was very scary seeing those rays every morning, another one being added on. It, and I guess I have the extreme experience of where I saw people that were sick, people that were being hauled out into the refrigerator around the, the block. And it, I have to be honest, to me, it's really scary. I will wear my mask. I will wear gloves when I go outside. So where do you think is the, where is the middle ground that we can bring people to between your perspective and my perspective that is a place that gives them some comfort and some normal, not normalcy, but, you know, so, so, you know, you could arguably say you're on, you know, one end of the spectrum of concern and I'm almost on the other end of the spectrum of concern. So what sort of, I mean, if you had, maybe we'd ask Jared, um, you know, yeah, maybe thanks, guys. what would be, in your hey, you're here Moscow. still? Um, <laughs> So yeah, sorry. So what would be the you know the middle ground? One of the things I tell my kids all the time is I'm like, look, if you have a difference of opinion with somebody, you should always try to start from where is your common ground. 
because then you can kind of work together appreciating each other's different perspectives, but maybe there's a common ground between you. Now, this thing might not necessarily have that common ground, um, but I mean, where do you, you know, do you see that there is a, you know, there's a, there is a place, you know, between those two different perspectives where people could kind of reside? I think there is. I think the the common ground where people can reside is is to not make it about the disease itself. And here's the reason why. The impact on people is so wide and so varied that we as people cannot nail down, like we cannot assess the threat at a national level. When, what I mean by assessing the threat is uh, Ebola, you can assess that threat by saying we know what that does to the body and it does the same thing to everybody's body who gets it. The coronavirus is completely different. Every day there's like, oh, 20 new symptoms of, you know, that could be coronavirus. I mean, it just keeps adding on. It, it just impacts people very differently. So that means that people's experiences with it are going to be very different. I have family members in Georgia that have gotten COVID-19 uh, and are in the age group where it's supposed to be the most deadly and she's already fine. She recovered, had mild symptoms, and she's good to go. Um, there's other people that are young that get it, and they have severe reactions to it. So there's no real rhyme or reason. So number one, it makes it hard if we focus on the disease itself to really find common ground because that information is always moving. It's a moving target. Instead, I think the place to find common ground is to get down to the basic, um, get down to some basic understandings of how do we ensure that we're taking care of each other without overreacting. So Paul, you and I've talked about this a lot. I wear a mask out in public, not because I'm worried about getting the disease. Again, you know, part of that is just that well, we're bulletproof, but even though we know we're not bulletproof, it's still, it's not as much of a concern for our own health. I'm more concerned about being a carrier of it and passing it on to somebody who may have a compromised immune system. My mother has a compromised immune system. This could devastate her completely. So I really think it comes back to this, is that it's not about the disease, it's about are we taking the basic precautions to ensure that we are not putting anybody into unnecessary uh, harm's way. If we can agree on that, then it's not about, well, you can't force me to wear a mask or this disease isn't real, like that's, no, it's just like, hey, look, as a citizen, as a human, I want to ensure that in the event that I could be carrying this thing, that I'm not passing it on to somebody who may pass it on to their family member who has a compromised immune system. It's just, I think, basic human decency. Uh, will I wear a mask out on a bike when I'm running or riding? No way. That's just idiotic. Now, am I going to get up right next to somebody's face and start talking to them out in public? No, I'm not going to do that. So I think we just have common decency, keep your distance, but in the most part, just think about is are the actions that I'm taking right now potentially putting somebody else in danger? I think that's the middle ground. I, and, and to be clear, to be very clear, one of the things that we never say is we're, 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 that is not in question is, you know, number one, is there a virus? Is it? Oh, yeah. You know, totally that, that whole, give me a break. Right. That's yeah. just that's beyond the pale. Right. So, but I mean, I think some people think that, but that's not it's a virus. And, and the other thing I would tell you is I think it is almost inevitable that at some point in the next five years, all of us will contract it, just like we'll all contract flu. Hopefully, by the time that starts happening, you know, we have uh, we have a we have um, uh, a vaccine. But of course, I can tell you, having had abundant vaccines, Lala, you'll love this. 
having so in the army we have abundant flu vaccines it's never a problem the shortage it is like pulling fucking teeth to get people to get their flu shot it's unbelievable right so okay so we'll get a vaccine and people will still do it so that's unequivocal or that's undeniable and then the other thing too is that you know the protective measures that we feel are responsible all of that is is undeniable right so not being in these giant crowds crammed yeah. together it's okay to be out and about, you know. Like I said, the two places that I went, Lolly, that were had almost identical environments. One, I took my family to Rhode Island because I have family up there, and we went to visit them. That was about three weeks ago, and and one was in D.C. The environment that I went into on Atwell's Avenue in Providence and on King Street in Alexandria was exactly the same. They had blocked up the street on both ends. All the tables were outside and spread apart. People were out and about with masks, you know, doing everything responsibly when they're sitting down at their own table, they're, you know, they're eating. And so, so all the right, I mean, we all agree on the fact that there's a virus, it's, it does what viruses do, which is it spreads, this one spreads really effectively and, and, and quickly. Um, it's, it's potentially fatal at a rate that we're not sure what it is yet, but it's pretty bad. Um, and, you know, we're, there are reasonable measures that everybody can take. My, my, my counterpoint to all that is even in the existence of all that, there, there is absolutely room for, for comfort and calm and to, and to think, and, and for people to think, yeah, yeah, okay, this is what it is, but there's a reasonable way to get through this. And yeah, some people have had horrific experiences, but there's definitely room for, and that's, that's super hard for you to do. I get it. That's not, you're not going to be like, oh, you know what, Paul? Yeah, I, you know, I'm with you. I'm going out to get the groceries and I'm cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I get it. Hey. You know, you're saying a lot of interesting things. And while you were talking, there was like a thousand things happening in my head. So I want to unpack three things. Number one is while you were talking, I'm like, Lolly, why do you feel this is so detrimental? Why do you personally feel, you know, be vigilant? So a little bit background about myself and Jared's going to love this part. I'm sharing something about myself. My parents are Holocaust survivors. The way I grew up, everything was doom and gloom, you know, don't be visible, don't speak, finish the food on your plate. There were many things that I was brought up with. When September 11th happened, um, I was the only parent who showed up at the kids' school and said, I demanded my kids. And they were like, what do you mean? I said, if, it, if World War III happens, I don't want to be separated from my children. They thought I was insane. But it was this conditioning that I was brought up with that something horrible was going to happen. And when it happens, we're going to be separated into two lines, the women on one side, the men on the other. And if I want to be with my children, I better get in, I better run and get them and protect them. And I'll, and if you if you ever come to New York and you're the guest in my house. You will see I have 7,000 bottles of water and I didn't run out of toilet paper or paper towel because I am prepared for the doom and gloom of what's going to happen. Fascinating. Yep, so that explains a little bit about why I'm not usually a doom and gloom person because I have something very positive that I wanted to add. Remember I said there were so many thoughts that yep. went in my head. But the thing is where I come from, the foundation of where I come from and how I was brought up was there is going to be a time when something horrible is going to happen and it's not going to be pretty and you better be prepared. So there are cans of stuff in my house. There's, I have hundreds of everything. There's like packs and packs. I'm one person. My kids have moved out of the house. I have enough stuff to last me three years because 
my parents didn't have enough, didn't have enough food, didn't have enough freedom, didn't have enough thing. I have it. I'm prepared. So that's number one. So that explains a little bit about why I am as fearful as I am. But also in New York City, it was pretty scary. And it's sometimes it's still scary. I mean, the sirens are still going off and I don't know why they need to go off at two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Another thing I was thinking about, you said, what common ground can we find in this pandemic? And this is what I think this pandemic has done. You know, don't waste a crisis, don't waste a pandemic, is that before March, I think everybody had a certain attitude about everything that was happening in the world. And it was very, very edgy. It almost felt like everything was on high voltage before the pandemic. And this pandemic has forced us to slow the hell down. It didn't give us a choice. It made us slow down. And it made us be with ourselves, where if you were smart enough, you did some work on yourself while you were quarantined. I know I did a lot of work. And the thing about my takeaway is, if there's a common ground that we can find, if you're looking for that, it's not the virus. It's not if we wear masks or don't wear masks. The common ground of how we're going to come together is, I need to stop thinking about myself all the time. And I need to make sure that I think of others out in the world. And that's what the mask represents to me, is that I care about you. And that's why I'll wear my mask. Yes, I am worried, but this mask is for you. And we should start thinking about each other instead of only ourselves. Let me tell you why this moment, I'm going to get a little, I'm going to get a little, um, for lack of a better way to put it, I'm going to get a little squishy in this moment for a second. Uh Because this moment in this podcast is, it's, it is, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unfair to say that it's this beautiful moment. And here's why. Because now you know a little bit about Paul Tulin. I'm a, you know, I've been a Green Beret for 25 years, been into all, you know, all this combat. I've been deployed eight times, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, on and on and on and on. And so I can explain to you why I'm not fearful. Now I understand while Ali Daskal has her perspective, what her background is, the things that kind of drive. And in that, in that simple moment, the biggest takeaway, the biggest common ground is we've taken a, we've taken just a couple of minutes to better understand one another, better appreciate each other's positions, remove judgment from those positions, and try and at least try to find that common ground, which is, look, I want to know you better. I want to know why you feel that way so that I can be more empathetic and care more about it. And I don't want to be flippant and be like, listen, don't worry about it. That's fine. Everything is great. You know, but I, I mean, I think there's there is some there is some real magic in this moment of this podcast, so much so that we should. Pro- this should probably be the final episode. We should put a pin in this thing because it's never going to get better than this, especially <laughs> if it's just me and Jared alone because that's always a train wreck. Yeah. But it's this moment of, look, the, the important takeaway ought to be you, you, t- take time to get to know one another, appreciate each other's positions, their perspectives, why they think that way because it's not just like you're afraid and you're a fool and it's not just... I'm not fearful and I'm a fool, right? There's so much more to it where, you know, and, and if there's anything I think to be taken away from that, the last five minutes, it's that, it's that, look, we're understanding each, per, each, each other's perspectives and that's gotta matter. And I think it's the same thing you're saying, which is 
we got to start to care more, more about each other. We certainly can't care more about each other if we're not investing in each other and understanding each other. And isn't that the definition of leadership, what you just talked about, right? It's a brotherhood. It's watching out for each other, trying to understand each other, have empathy towards each other. That's, I think, the way of life. That's why um, I'm so passionate about leadership, and that's why I live it and breathe it, because that's the result. It's these beautiful moments of understanding each other that I think make up life, make it so, meaningful. So my definition of leadership that I have defaulted to is that, that true leadership comes when you appreciate that leadership is about enabling the success of others to achieve more than you've achieved. But you can't do that until you truly know people. I spent two hours this morning sweating my ass off with a young man who just joined our organization. Um, and he's, you know, and, 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 and it's my, we, it's called, we call it initial counseling, but I do initial counseling very differently. I, I, we put on our rucksacks and we go for a long walk and we go out there and we sweat and we talk and I learn about them. I learn about their family. I learn about their history, all that kind of stuff. And my point in all that is, yeah, I agree with you. Leadership is all about, you've got to know the people that you lead, but maybe, uh, you know, and I suppose there's a, and I suppose there's a component of leadership. But again, for me and Jared, the thing we talk about all the time, you know, for us, it's well, for me, it's all about putting down your phone, turning off the TV, going out in the world, you know, figuratively or literally in this case, ours would be a little different being a citizen in it and, and you know, and connecting like we we have become disconnected in so many ways, you know, and hopefully this slowdown that you've described, and it's one of the things that is central to Jared's perspective on this too, is you know, slowing down the train so you can actually jump off it, um, is I think is central to actually getting to, uh, to to know people in that way. Absolutely, yeah. Jared. What do you think? No, I think that's uh, I think that's all spot on. I mean, I agree with everything you guys are saying, which is really rare. So yeah. congratulations. No. <laughs> no, I think that's. Uh, I really do. I, you know, understanding each other's perspective is key. Again, it goes back to the point of we're here to take care of each other, right? Uh, everything in in the uh, in the environment, in the atmosphere. I'm talking about not the physical environment. Although in some cases, that's that's true. But say in our media environment, our news environment, where people are connecting right now, is is incentivized to drive us into separate camps. It's incentivized to push us into the left, to the right, push you into these things. We do that with marketing and everything else. We're trying to pin people down to one specific thing and force people into these ideas and these narratives. And that's successful when we stop talking to each other. But if you go out and have conversations with most normal people, like I can say this, is that I've never truly interacted with somebody who is on the far right or on the far left. I mean, far. You know, I have people that uh, you know, are more conservative about certain things and uh, they're more liberal about others. But for the most part, most people that I talk to, most normal, reasonable people are middle of the road. They really just are. And, that, and now a good part of that could just be that I just have no tolerance for extremism on one side or the other. So, you know, that's, that's how I'm viewing that right there. But one thing I did want to say, Lolly, is I, I think this goes to show that, that when you uh, do share <clears throat> about who you are and some of your story, it really resonates. Uh, I now know that you are a doomsday prepper, and the only thing that I think is missing from your your uh, your stockpile there is a Glock 19 and uh, an AR-15. What do you say, Paul? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, I have a question to ask both of you. First of all, no firearms is it's so violent in New York City lately. We didn't even talk about that, but the violence has escalated. 
that from a three-year-old child walking on the street to, you know, teenagers, people are just being shot left and right more so than in the past nine months. They're dying in a week. And so very, very violent here in New York also, which is another topic that we can talk about how things have changed. But I have a question for both of you. Between what you talked about, about going out into the field and finding a common ground, do you feel, either one of you, is that people are grieving on a certain level of what things used to be like before the pandemic? Or do you feel like people don't really notice a big difference? What do you, because this is a very curious topic for me. Um, do you think people are grieving the past before COVID? Uh yeah, in my experience, um, I think it's a mixed bag. I think in the very beginning, there was a lot more grieving. Well, and I would say more frustration with the uh, the changes because, you know, it's, it's like it's like having the detox. But it took about two weeks, and then I started to see that more and more people were realizing, hey, I kind of like this working from home a little bit more. Um, and so there's this little bit of a, oh, fresh air. We get to do this, and kids are outside playing more. And, you know, we we're also leaning into the, to the summer, so there was that that could be a factor. But I do see now, and I, even for myself, so I can speak on a personal level, I've worked at home and worked for myself my entire professional career. So, you know, it's not like it was a shock to my system or my way of life. But I have found that um, I that th that this pandemic has started to take a toll on me. Um, I can't fully explain what it is, but there is this, it has taken a bit of a toll. Not wiped me out. I keep going no matter what. Um but it, I can't really explain. It has created a level of uh, stress that just kind of manifests in other places. And um, I think a lot of people are experiencing that right now. It's uh, There's restlessness. Even if you are mobile, like, you know, Paul and I, we disclose this in our show many times that you know, we get together in person. But we, we know the risk we may be taking. And we both made that agreement. Like, hey, cool. We, we think it's more important for he and I to be able to spend time together and hang out. Uh, and uh, but, you know, not being ignorant of uh, what's going on there. Um, and so the, the last the, the last thing I would I would say is this, um, that uh, it's my hope that having had a conversation, meaningful conversation, that the field report, my perspective on the things that I see will give you a little bit uh, will assuage even to a tiny, tiny degree would assuage a little bit of the concern you have that being completely immersed in it all the time, as opposed to, you know, we've had a conversation now, you don't just have to say, well, that guy's an idiot. He's obviously completely disagreed, doesn't get it at all, you know, um, which could be true, 100%, but <laughs> at least maybe now we can say, okay, you know, I've talked to Paul, he's not a complete idiot. He's got a different perspective and, you know, that, that and maybe that the one thing. <laughs> Yes, that's entirely possible. Yeah. For those of you who can't see. Yeah. 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 Well, well I just said I'm in complete denial. Yeah. Nicely played. <laughs> Nicely played. That's why I was bringing up grieving. I was like, okay, I think when I'm trying to understand the perspective, but I really think people are grieving. And, and I think that people are in denial. And I think that the New York is in the anger mode. You know how grieving comes in five stages? I think New York is angry right now. And that's why there's more violence. And I think the burnout is about, we're not sure what's happening. I see the burnout happening. It's all over in every single one of my clients, the introverts and the extroverts. And so I, w 
I don't think you need to be as doom and gloom as I am, but I still think we need to be vigilant and to make sure that we think about each other as we venture out into the world. Yeah. Well said. Well said. For sure. All right. Well, I guess we got to let Lolly go, right? Because we could, I mean, anybody who's been on here knows it's a bad idea because we'll just keep talking. Yes, we will. Well, we'll definitely have you on again if if you'll join us again, Lolly. Absolutely. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun and very interesting conversation and lots to think about. Same here. Thank you, guys. Of course. Same here. You're welcome. We'll talk to you soon. See you, Be safe. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. We're still here. Hey, bye. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We're still on. Great. I mean, that was fun. Of course. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, absolutely. But that's the whole point, right? The whole point is, look, you know, we're going to have different perspectives. And, you know, on the one hand, I could be like, well, those people are idiots. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, But, you know, if you take a little time, uh, and this is my whole point, Jared. And again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost hesitant to keep talking in Lolly's absence because then I feel like I don't want to say anything where she was like, no, 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 I, that's not what I meant, or I have a counterpoint. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but definitely, that, that's kind of my whole point is, you, you cannot, you, you cannot exist in this environment. This isn't an indictment of her at all. I'm not talking about Lolly at this point. I'm talking in general. You can't exist in an environment where you're not allowing yourself the opportunity to find out what's going on somewhere else with somebody else, you know, and for me, you know, my perspective, you've got to get out in the world to figure that out. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, I, you know, my final message was I'm hopeful that, Hey, this is, you know, this is my perspective and maybe knowing that I'm not a complete, I'm not completely foolhardy or in denial or that, we, you know, we have some common ground about some things. Maybe that's, a, you know, that, Maybe we balance each other's perspective out. So maybe at the end of the day, Lolly is a little less, you know, doom and gloom, and maybe I'm a little less um, light and carefree about the whole thing. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, man. I think that one thing, just because uh, I enjoyed listening to the the back and forth, you know, and it was great. I mean, I really didn't see disagreement in anything. It was just an open conversation, which is really important. And it's, um, I think, the key to this as well is that both of you are self aware. You are, you're both self-aware, so you recognize, hey, look, this is, you know, Lolly opening up to say, this is why I have this perspective. She wasn't saying, this is why I, I know, have this perspective and why it's right. It was, this is why I have this perspective to help you understand a little bit about the way. Wasn't wasn't that, again, I, I get it. It's going to be a little like, you know, kumbaya, but that was kind of a beautiful you, moment. Okay. That's you the can, point, You can man. have a beautiful moment. I, it was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've never had a moment like that with you because you suck. But <laughs> I do. I'm in less than 15 minutes, right? <laughs> no, because because it was like there was this beautiful moment where it was like, oh, that's so illuminating about her perspective. I can appreciate that. It's valid. It makes sense. I'm not, you know, I'm not like, what a loon. You, you, you're from Manhattan. You're just getting, you know what I mean? <laughs> not that I wouldn't do that anyway. But right. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. it's a, that's such an illustrative to the best pandemic ever ethos and theme and our, our whole vibe. You know, it's about yeah. when you get, you got to get to know, you got to get to understand like, yeah, man, turn off the TV, have a conversation with somebody, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true, man. This just makes me think we have to have more guests on more often. We really do. I can't, I, I mean, I just, you know, it's like once you get a taste of something better, then you're like, why do I want to go back and talk to Paul for an hour? Oh, yeah. Week no. over I mean, week. Like, a, I mean, it's going to be like, 
Yeah, I mean, next week it's like the old Eddie Murphy routine, right? You know what I mean? Where he's talking about being married and how, you know, like when you have a Ritz cracker, it's like the best cracker ever. And then, you know, you get a sleeve of Ritz crackers and by the end of it, you're like, this is just a plain old ordinary Ritz cracker. You know? It's like, that's a, next week we're going to be like, huh. Uh, okay. So what are we talking about now? I don't know. You want to talk about yeah. Well, I'm planning a field yeah. report number four. Yeah, no. So, yeah, so I don't have any, so I don't have any, Travels, but again, so okay, so a couple more stories. Again, yeah. these are just these are just straight up, kind of you know from from the field. What I what I experienced, um, just just uh, again, the world is a good place, man. Get out in it, and you will discover that. I get it. It's hard to get out there right now, but it is absolutely possible. And there are a lot of people out there who are not necessarily willfully disregarding other people's safety. They're just they're just out and about because it is possible. Um, so I. I I was leaving on Sunday morning. Uh, I met the founder, the nonprofit, nonprofit founder in the morning for coffee. We went down to the park, sitting on a bench. I was wearing these shorts with a Velcro pocket. Um, we sat down there for about an hour, you know, going over everything we had just, we had done over the weekend. And then I and then I headed out. I got my car. I was driving. I, I think I drive like two thirds of a mile or something. And I realized I didn't have my wallet. And I was like, oh man, Jesus Christ. So. And I knew I had paid for the coffee, so I had. I was like, I must have lost it on that park bench. So I drove back down. I parked the car. I went down to the park, and it wasn't there. Right? It just. It, and I was like, all right, well, maybe it fell out of my pocket when I got out of the truck or when I got into my truck in the parking garage. So I was just about. So I looked around. I was just about to leave, and then I hear this guy's like, "Sir, excuse me, sir, excuse me." And here comes this dude running with my wallet in his hand. Right? I'm telling you, the world is full of good people. Now. Was this he wearing a mask? <laughs> That's the thing we need to know. <laughs> uh, tech, actually, he was not. But I think he uh -oh. was exercising. That's why he wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah. But he brought it over to me. He handed it, he handed it to me. I was like, you know. So now, fast forward to what's today? Wednesday. So fast, I guess it was yesterday. I go to, the, I go to this deli in Fayetteville to have lunch. I pull into the parking lot, and I, God is my judge. I see a wallet on the ground. No right? way. I'm telling you, man. I pick this wallet up. I look in it. It's got a military ID. I was like, oh, man, this kid's not going to be able to get back on base. So definitely he's going to be coming back here. I go inside. I turn it into the guys at the counter. They're like, oh, great. We'll put it in the safe. We're sitting there. The kid comes in with a mask. He was wearing a mask, by the way. But I recognized him immediately. I said, hey, excuse me. I said, are you looking for your wallet? He's like, oh, yes, yeah." I said, I told him, well, they have it up at the counter. You cannot tell me, like, that the universe isn't connected somehow. You know, I'm not a religious guy. You know yeah. what I mean? But you can't tell me the universe is. But again, you know, there's 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 good people out there. It's a, the, the situation is generally is, is generally good. There's opportunity out there um, if you just go out. You know, and again, I'm not advocating for people to go out and you know and and party at some club with right, yeah. hundred people packed. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this is this is an opportunity to reconnect yeah. in the right ways. Yeah. Right. You got to kind of you got to kind of you got to kind of seize it. Um, I'm trying to think, and there was a couple. There was a couple other other examples too. Um, uh, well, one example, unfortunately, was, and this is, I hesitate to share this example because we've had such a good episode, such a such a lofty erudite exchange with with Lolly. Um, but in the hotel, of course, you have to wear a mask, right? So you wear it in all the public spaces, and if there's nobody in the hallway. Obviously, you can take it off. But what's the point? Um, but the hotel was essentially empty. There weren't many people there, right? So, um, so we had had breakfast, had a couple of, couple of, couple of cups of coffee, 
Um, and we were getting ready to take a break, and I really had to go up to my room because I, I had to relieve myself. And, of course, I get in the elevator. There's nobody in the hotel, right? So, so you went in the elevator? Is that what this I was is? In the elevator. What's that? You So you went in the elevator? <laughs> no, I didn't go in the elevator, but let's just say um, as politely and creatively as I can that I, you know, I left a little gift in there because I figured nobody was coming in the <laughs> elevator. And don't you think that that elevator opened up and sure there's like a pack of people? <laughs> I'm like, out of the elevator, I was like, oh, man. I was like, really? I was like, all I could think was like, they're on that elevator, mask or no, and being like, that dude. No way I was getting So, yeah. So oh, I'm not man. really sure how that dovetails into the entire field report. Well, I think it's but, about the universe um, being connected, Paul. That was your point. It was about the wallet. Guy brings you a wallet that you left. Wallet shows up that somebody else left you gave to them. You got into an elevator with no people, decided to let one loose. Next thing you know, people show up. It's just kind of like That's this beautiful, right. harmonious. We connected in a very special the way. Best yeah. pandemic ever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel I felt like this episode was so like thoughtful, and we didn't have any of the usual garbage that we have to help headline the exactly. Uh, headline we need. So yeah. We needed yeah. something to make the intro better. good. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, so that's field report number three. Uh, again, my perspective, t- tempered expertly by a completely different perspective. Um, I think, you know, kind of, I, I feel like, hey, when we, when we do these kind of things, we're, we're trying to drive towards, and we're, we're obviously nascent, we're just starting out, we're trying to drive towards eliminating us just being an echo chamber. Because we think yeah. a lot alike about things. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're, a, little, you're a little more, I think, um, a little bit more fiscally liberal than I am, but I think we're both at, I think we're both about the same socially liberal, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of things and the, and the areas where we're, where we're conservative align, you know, so there's real risk here of us being an echo chamber and us just, you know, yeah. just, just, just telling each other how great we are. Yes. Which, you know, <laughs> needs to become like the normal at the end. Can we, all right. Now let's just, we're going to take five minutes and talk about each other, about what we really like about each other's perspective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. Listen, I, that's enough of me talking about about me. What do you think about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's this uh, man. I don't know if you ever listened to the Lemonheads or Evan Dando back in the day. Uh, this the is, band? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah do you remember that song? Um, uh, I think it was called "It's About Time." Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where he said, and then he gets that part. It's like, "Enough about us. Let's talk about me. It's not about you. Yeah. It's not about sunshine." Oh, yeah. And just break. Like to me, I always thought that was the funniest line. Enough about us. Let's talk about me. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that should be you know what I, I uh, you know, what the, one of the things that I that I did on the uh, on the uh, on the on the way home, um, I found so in the spirit of abundance and karma. Um, I tripped across, man, uh, now I'm not going to be able to think of the name of it. I found a, a, a podcast that I thought was really good, good production, um, really good format, interesting, different than what we do. Cause a lot of post-production kind of stuff, man, I think it's called like the little things. I'm going to look it up. So next oh. time I can, I can, yeah, it's really cool. Cause the way they do it is they get a question from a, from a listener and then they bring in an expert, they bring in the listener and then they, and then they kind of have the experts. And this one was about like sand and they, it was really cool. I thought, you know. Um, I thought it was really, uh, it was really interesting and I like the format and, um, you know, d- totally different from what we do. This is just us rambling. That was, you know, production, like along the lines of like, uh, 
like um, Crime Town. You ever listen to Crime Town? No, no, no. But I think you told me about it. You listened to um, Oh yeah, Small Town Murder. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Small Town Murder is good too. That is but yeah, Crime yeah. Town. Yeah, look, if you're spending your time listening to this podcast, you clearly have a lot of time on your hands, right? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, so you've got nothing but time on your hands. You could be doing something so with you your life. Listen to. In my opinion, honestly, Crime Town. Both the Providence and the Detroit episode series, because there was two series, were up. It's like uh, arguably one of the best podcasts out there. Period. Yeah. End of story. Hey, it's subscribe. amazing, man. Yeah, I'm I'm check you. this out. Yeah, you got to check that out. So if you're listening to this, look, do yourself a favor, listen to something much better. Uh, but if you don't, <laughs> yeah. um, Jared will tell you exactly, you know, how to subscribe and how to do all that. Yeah. Stuff. So why don't I go ahead and do that? So first of all, thank you for going all the way to the end, end of the podcast, for going the distance, for being the kind of listener that makes a real difference in the lives of Paul. Mostly Paul, because, you know, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty stable. But thank you for doing that for Paul and for myself. And, uh, of course... Being one of our now 23 followers. We've got, on LinkedIn, we've got 23 followers. We really need to do a whole episode... So excited, man! Thank you guys. Twenty three. No, we've only put out two, two. I think at that point, yeah. yeah no, we're not. We're not bashing our twenty three followers. We're really proud of it for sure. So thank you for being the twenty fourth. So on that note, if you have not subscribed, please do subscribe. I mean, it's such a good idea to subscribe. Even if you don't listen, just go ahead and subscribe. And also, this is something I'm going to throw in here a little new too. Uh, I'd love for you to leave a review. Um, Five stars is always appreciated, and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a little rip off of uh, Small Town Murder, one of my favorite podcasts. They always tell their guests they say, "Please leave us five stars to say whatever you want to in the review." It helps the podcast. And I love the fact they say, "Just give us a five star review, even if you hate it. You can just bash us in your actual written review." <laughs> so, yes, perfect. But no, seriously, you yeah. know, go ahead, rate the podcast. We'd love that. I've never actually asked anybody to do that before. So, subscribe to the show. Write the podcast. Uh, we definitely want to hear from you. Leave comments on on uh, the episode that uh, maybe you have something to say. Maybe you have a question for us. We always want to be able to uh, to engage with you, to get back to you. Follow us on LinkedIn. We are on LinkedIn. Just look for the best pandemic ever. Follow us on Facebook, the best pandemic ever. And, uh, and we'll definitely interact with you there. So, yeah, there's our send out. Thank you guys once again, and we will be with you next week. And especially thank you to Lolly. That was great. 100%. Absolutely. Out here.